Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Through the resurrection. This living hope is through the resurrection. The resurrection is the reason we have a living hope. And it's not just the end. It's, that would be good enough if that was all it was. But there's also two something. Through the resurrection, we have this living hope. And it gets better because it's to an inheritance. An inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away. Notice, reserved in heaven for you. Reserved in heaven for you. It's there waiting for you. Welcome, everyone, to today's edition of Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob examines the hope that Christ gives us through his death and resurrection. This miraculous resurrection is the way God secured our redemption and our inheritance that belongs to anyone that places their belief in Jesus Christ as the Son of God who gave his life as a sacrifice for our sins. The Bible says that this inheritance is incorruptible and undefiled, that does not fade away, and is reserved in heaven for us. And now, if you have your Bible handy, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 1 and join Pastor Rob with today's study. Because we're having a Christmas Eve service, this morning's message is, I I really want to just continue in Peter. And, and so we're going to be looking at verses 4 through 12, and the title of this morning's message is The Trial of Our Faith. And certainly the, the, the church at this time in history, remember it's after the day of Pentecost has come, the church has been undergoing persecution, and they're scattered everywhere throughout the um, Roman Empire, and especially into what we would call Asia Minor or modern-day Turkey. And they are dispersed. And Peter is writing them this letter to encourage them that, you know, that to, to remember their living hope, to remember really what it is, where their hope really lies, and, and also to expect persecution and to live lives that are worthy of the name of Jesus Christ. And, and that can only be accomplished through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, amen, because we don't have it within ourselves to be good people. We can be good for a few days, maybe for a few minutes for some of us, like myself. <laughs> but, you know, to live a life that is consistent. And it doesn't, it's not a life that without sin, but it's, it's a life that's uh, sinning less, surely, <laughs> as, as a result of the inborn, um, n- the nature of Jesus in us. And so let's look at, uh, we're just going to read uh, the beginning of it again and get down into where we're going to be. So it says, In chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, 
elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. And here's his greeting, grace to you and peace be multiplied. And, uh, and last week, if you remember, we looked at um, this idea of foreknowledge. God knows all things, so he can't be hoodwinked. He can't be surprised by anything that's happening in the universe. All the things that surprise us in the news don't surprise him because he already foreknew them. He's already seen them. He's the one outside of a time. Isaiah 57 verse 15 says, Thus says the high and lofty one who dwells, who inhabits eternity. So God inhabits eternity. He's seen time as, as, from the beginning to the end. He's, he's seen it all. So he has perfect knowledge. He has perfect understanding of everything. He's seen it already. So it doesn't surprise him. The things that are going on right now in the Middle East, the things that are going on in our own country right now, he's known from the beginning. He's known from the beginning. And in verse 3 it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again through a living hope. Uh, Living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And if you remember last week we looked at a couple of scriptures about this. You know, it's not a living I hope so. It's a living hope. And a living hope is... It is a living hope because of the integrity and the love and the power of the one who secured it. Jesus secured our hope. He secured our future. And so if he secured it, then we have a living hope. It's not a living I hope so. And the resurrection, as we looked at last week, is the ground, the very foundation of our faith. There's no other religion on the face of the world, on the face of the planet, that has someone who died for them, someone who took their place a mediator between God and man. There's nobody has wanted to die. All the gurus and the the religious people and the religious figures in the world, they want you to serve them. But Jesus came to die for you and to serve you. And that's what he did. He came. And that's what differentiates this faith that we have from any other faith. And it's a true faith. It's a living faith. And we're all growing in it. And if you remember, the inheritance that we have is, is, is certainly in heaven. We have a, a great time to look forward to. And in Ephesians, if you remember, it said, uh, In whom also you have trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, it says, In whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. So we know that we have been given this uh, Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee, the earnest, and he dwells inside of us. If you're a child of God, you have the Holy Spirit in you. If you don't have the Holy Spirit in you and you're not born again, you are not a Christian. You are not a Christian. No matter what you do, no matter the good deeds that you do, the Holy Spirit in you is the only mark that you are a child of God. And it gets even better than that because when Jesus places that down payment in you, he's coming to return again to redeem what he has already put the down payment on. He's already purchased you. And there's coming a time where he's going to say, come up here and our bodies will be changed in the twinkling of an eye as it says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Corinthians 15, our bodies will be changed. This corruptible will put on incorruption, every single one of us. But it's a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Notice, it's through the resurrection. This living hope is through the resurrection. The resurrection is the reason we have a living hope, and it's not just the end. That would be good enough if that was all it was. But there's also two something. Through the resurrection, we have this living hope, 
and it gets better because it's to an inheritance, an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away. Notice, reserved in heaven for you. Reserved in heaven for you. It's there waiting for you. You know, when we consider a heavenly inheritance versus an earthly inheritance, I just want to share a few things to put it in perspective. You know, in this verse it says it's incorruptible. Our heavenly inheritance is incorruptible. It doesn't tarnish. It doesn't corrode. It doesn't crack or decay. It doesn't need an upgrade. There are no software patches or updates or <laughs> needed or necessary. It's something that God does. It's incorruptible. But you think about a physical inheritance. Your parents may pass away and you inherit a bunch of money or inherit property, but all of these things corrode and they fall apart. Homes and cars, boats, material possessions, they all break down and they need maintenance. They need maintenance and eventually everything becomes unused. It becomes outdated or they fade because as we change as, and as we get older, we change and so do our priorities. So all of these things that we inherit in life and this, on this body and this earth fades. It, it, it fades away. It's, it is corruptible. And our earthly inheritance is undefiled. Notice that. It's, there's no sin involved in this inheritance. It's a pure inheritance. And it is perfect. And it's a reflection of the one who gave it to us. Jesus is perfect and holy in all that he is. There is no unrighteousness in him. And he dwells in unapproachable light. We will need a new body because we will not be able to stand before this holy God who dwells in unapproachable light in these bodies, we would disintegrate in an instant. I don't know about you, but that's really exciting to me. Because that change that we're going to receive in this new body that we're going to receive, will be able to withstand eternity. We'll be able to stand before him without melting. <laughs> I like that. A body outfitted for eternity. It's undefiled. You know, when you think about the sons and the daughters who inherit fortunes or family businesses that were founded upon not-so-honest means or upon crime and, crook and crookery, you know, what is the quality of that inheritance? From parents who have t obtained their money by fraudulent means, who have made a living off of selling goods or services that cater rather to the depravity of man. Think of that. And yet, the inheritance that we have in heaven is undefiled undefiled because the one who keeps it is undefiled he's almighty god he's perfect in all of his ways and i want you to be encouraged by that because there's nothing that we we've never experienced this but one day you are going to be in his presence one day you are going to experience this and i would encourage you to let yourself get carried away with it because it's something that will encourage your heart it will encourage you and it doesn't fade away our heavenly inheritance doesn't fade away in quality, in beauty, or in depth. Because it is perfect, it will last forever. And you compare that with those who inherit a fortune only to discover that more than 60% of it has to go to pay off taxes, previous debts, mortgages, lawyers, not to mention distant relations, swooping in for their piece of the pie. Anybody experience that? Yeah. <laughs> a resounding yes. <laughs> I've seen it as well. And yet no one can take your inheritance away from you. Not even physical death can part you from what God has placed in heaven for you. It is all secured by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. You know, and it doesn't fade away. 
It doesn't fade away. You know, you think of uh, young people who aren't really good handlers of money yet. You know, they're still learning, and they're still growing, and perhaps a little immature, and they come into this fortune, and they end up wasting it on trips and clothing and food and um, material things. The inheritance fades away with use, fades away, just like the rich young or the, the prodigal son. He received his inheritance, and because he was immature and young, he went out and had a good time, good time, <laughs> by the world's definition. And it all fades away, but your inheritance does not fade away. I want to share with you something that's a little bit uh, perhaps foreign to some of you, and it is to me, honestly. But there is a law called thermodynamics, and I'm not going to get into a lot of scientific things here, but I think we'll all understand this because it makes sense to me, and I think it'll make sense to you. There are three laws of thermodynamics, and as far as we know, they are absolute. And this living hope and our inheritance, our heavenly inheritance, it goes against this second law of thermodynamics. And I need to share with you, with you what that is in just a moment. But our inheritance, it's supernatural, and it reverses this physical law that we're going to talk about. In Christ, instead of going from corruption to greater corruption, we go from corruption to incorruption. In fact, the whole universe is going from corruption to corruption. In Isaiah chapter 34, it says this, All the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled up like a scroll. All their hosts shall fall down as the leaf falls from the vine and as fruit falling from a fig tree. So then, after this, we know that there is going to be a new heavens and a new earth after the old has been dissolved away. But thermodynamics is literally the idea that the universe was created with a certain amount of energy and matter, and over time it's winding down like a clock. And we see it in all things. Everything goes from a state of creation to decay. As soon as you're born, you begin to die. As soon as that Ford truck comes off the, the line, Dan, is Dan here? As soon as your Ford truck comes off the assembly line, it begins to decay. You can just let it set in the driveway if you want, that fancy, you know, beautiful car that I love. Um, it can set in, in your driveway, and just by doing nothing, over years, it will just decay and finally rust and start falling apart. That's what the second law of thermodynamics is all about. And we see that in nature. We see it in everything. We see it in the fall as the leaves decay and they fall. And yet God brings them back again. But we, as soon as we're born, we begin to die. Everything in the universe is slowing down. Everything physical slowly decays and slowly uh, breaks down. We see it even in our DNA structure. They say that perhaps the reason there's so many genetic problems uh, with, with, with things that are going on today, not to mention uh, food and other things that we, that we eat and other issues, one of them is just the, the, the gene pool for so many years has been so saturated. And, you know, things have developed. And so everything is breaking down. But God is going to take that thing that is corrupt and he's going to make it incorrupt, incorruption. That's what the Bible says. Evolution says that we are evolving. We're, going, we're getting better. Things are evolving in a better way. But that goes against this very physical nature that we can plainly see through observation. Do you see that? We see it happening, and yet they say that it's actually the other way. But the only way 
that this can happen is by what God does. Because what God does is he doesn't just take what is here and make it better. He creates something new. That's why you're going to get a new body. And that's why this current heavens and this current earth will have to be dissolved and a new heavens and a new earth will be created from corruption to incorruption. NASA astronomer Robert Jastrow commented on these implications when he said, Theologians generally are delighted with the proof that the universe had a beginning, but astronomers are curiously upset. It turns out that the scientist behaves the way the rest of us do when our beliefs are in conflict with the evidence. It's true, they have, a, they have a worldview that they're trying to support, and when they look at the, the facts and you look at them very plainly, it says something quite different. It says something quite different. And this gentleman, uh, Jastro, went on to say, he said, the scientist who has lived by his faith in the power of reason, the story ends like a bad dream. He has scaled the mountains of ignorance. He is about to conquer the highest peak, and as he pulls himself over the final rock as he climbs this great precipice, he is greeted by a band of theologians who have been sitting there for centuries. (laughs) I like that. I like that. So we have an inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for us. And, And what is this inheritance that we can look forward to? What is it? What is this inheritance? Certainly, it is, first and foremost, it's Jesus. We inherit him. You know, heaven is heaven because he is there. Anywhere where Jesus is, is heaven. And that's where I want to be. That's where you ultimately really want to be. A heaven void of Jesus wouldn't be heaven at all. But this is what Jesus said concerning our inheritance. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, it says this. He said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's what we have to look forward to. And it even gets better than that, because in Revelation chapter 21, at the very end, when the heavens and the earth are dissolved with fervent heat, this is what we have to look forward to. This is our inheritance, ultimately, the final state. Let me read it to you. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4, it says, John speaking, he says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. And then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, no crying, There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty good. Is your heart filled with sorrow this morning? This is a happy time of year for many, but for some it's a heartache because of memories past. Maybe because of family that's not here. A son or daughter who has recently passed, it changes things. It's a reminder that things aren't always the best here but we're given a living hope and our inheritance is in the heavens with Jesus, incorruptible, undefiled. 
And in Revelation 21, later on in that same chapter, in verse 22, it says, But I saw no temple in it, John says, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine upon it, for the glory of God illuminated it, and the Lamb is its light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it, but there shall by no means enter into it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And folks, that is where our ultimate state is going to be, free from this this flesh, free from the, the things in the world, the things of the world. You know, the Bible says that when we're raptured, we're going to be with the Lord, and then we are coming back to the earth when Jesus makes his second coming physically to the earth on the Mount of Olives. It'll split in two, and he will come down, and we will come down with him, and we will spend that thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth. It's at the end of that thousand-year reign that finally everything will be done, and this current heavens, this current earth will be dissolved with fervent heat. And a new heavens and a new earth will be created. And think of the glory, even in the millennial reign that we have, that glory that we have yet to come. Even that's going to be glorious. Serving the Lord Jesus here on this earth for a thousand years in a brand new body, in our resurrected body. And then to know at the end it even gets better. It even gets better than that. It's like, it's like the gift that just keeps opening. Have you ever had one of those gifts? I, my mom used to do this sick thing to my brother and I. She would have a small little package about this big. It could be something insignificant. It could be a pack of bubble gum. And she'd put it in a box and wrap that. Put that in a bigger box and wrap that. Put that in a bigger box and wrap that. And then she'd put like some, some rocks around each of the boxes. So it's really heavy. And we're like, what is that going to be? You know, we're thinking it's going to be some great thing. And here we, you know, we spend a half an hour opening the box. And she's giggling the whole time. Finally get down to it, I was like, <laughs> just bubble yum? That's... But, God, we have a great, a great inheritance awaiting us. Verse 5, he says, Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. That Greek word power is dunamis. It's where it's the same uh, word that we get in Acts chapter 1, but when Jesus said, you shall receive power, you shall receive this dynamic power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. That's the same word. Who are kept, we are kept by the power of God, this inheritance and us, we are kept by the power of God through faith, for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. And folks, it is coming. It is coming. He is coming. Are you excited? I'm very excited. In verse 6 he says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. That early church was going through many trials, being chased by their fellow countrymen, certainly by Rome. And you remember, even in Rome, there was a great fire in, in the year 64 A.D., and it lasted from July 8th to July 23rd. And from what I understand, uh, the, the Christians were starting to gain in popularity and momentum, certainly because of the ministries of Paul and Peter. But now Nero had had enough, and so one way he could get rid of them is by torching the city setting the Colosseum on fire, setting other areas on fire, and then blaming it on the Christians. And that further inflicted 
more persecution upon them. In fact, in John chapter 15, this ought not to surprise us. It didn't surprise that early church because Jesus said, he said, if the world hates you in John 15, verse 18. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time when Pastor Rob continues our study in First Peter. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.